Blog Talk Radio. Bible, 
uh, the truth about psychics and spiritual gifts, and I'm going to bring him on the air now, and we're going to talk somewhat about the Bible and our gifts and um and if you have questions, please feel free to call in at one three four seven eight three eight nine two zero one. We'll answer them best we can. Also, uh, a couple announcements before I bring Kevin on. Um, Sunday would be my late son Mark's twenty sixth birthday. I am going to have a uh, uh, toy for sick children fundraiser. Come to my house for a drop off. Just a kind of like a leisurely thing. Drop off. I'll have hot cocoa and stuff like that. And uh, you know, a little gathering, and uh, you're more than welcome to drop him off before Sunday because Melissa, who is my elf, and I, she's normally my co-host, couldn't make it tonight. She had some other uh, obligations. But she and I go to the hospital on uh, Christmas Eve day and bring the unwrapped gifts to the hospital. They have to inspect them before they go to the kids. And uh, also, if we get enough, I'm also going to be mailing to some of the families that have children with cystic fibrosis uh, directly. Um and take care of their, their Christmas needs if we can. So hold on. I'm going to bring Kevin on now. Thank you. Hold on. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Peggy. How you doing? Actually, very well. Um, the change from the time zones now allows me to get a little more time to get home and be on the show than it was before in the summer. Oh, good, 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 good. So it's light out for you more, or what's the deal there? Well, it's just about turning sundown here in Arizona. There, everybody out in the chicken coop is going to roost right now, and uh, just taking care of last-minute feedings with my wife outside there. I'm now in my office, of course. Right, right. Yeah, we're we're uh, gearing up for a major snowstorm. People people get the idea when I say I live in New York that we were in the. Uh, in the Buffalo area where they were hit with like seven, eight, nine feet of snow or something. And I'm like, nope, nope, <laughs> just a little bit of country folk here. <laughs> but we're not quite in Buffalo. So, but we're we're gearing up tonight for a major storm, they're telling us. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the snow, but it's a little too early for me. <laughs> so, Kevin, I covered some of your story about your interest. You've been on the show before and been like my uh, uh, spiritual guidance for the show and in life, too. So tell us in your own words, uh, for our listeners that haven't heard you before, what you know your feelings are on uh, psychic mediums and, and uh, people with spiritual gifts. What's your own take on that? Well, my take would be the Bible's take on that, Peggy. And, you know, in a nutshell, one, there is not one single scripture verse in the entire Bible that condemns a psychic. There's also mm-hmm. not one verse in Scripture that condemns a true medium. Now, for the people who have had a more recent Bible translation that they take with them to church, they'll see the mm-hmm. verses such as Leviticus um, 19.31, Leviticus 26, Leviticus 20.27, Deuteronomy 18.10, and, you know, which they say, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, you know, or you will be defiled by them. But the fact is that the if you go to an original King James Version, and they're still abundantly out there, every hotel room has a Gideon Bible in the King James, but the term there is familiar spirit. And mm-hmm. to me, casually for years, I just thought, oh, familiar spirit was because they didn't coin the word medium yet. It turned out it's mm-hmm. entirely a different term. The mm-hmm. term you know, a familiar spirit is a spirit that attends at a call, according to a 1828 Webster's Dictionary. And the modern trans- 
the modern dictionaries are not much different in that respect. Right. The difference being is that you know this as a medium yourself, Peggy, that, you know, that many times when you've had uh, somebody who's lost a loved one, that loved one is around you just, just itching for a chance to give a message through you to the person who's grieving. Um, I know you do not call on spirits, neither did my friend Melanie, who acquainted me a lot more with mediumship than I ever knew before. I mean, my previous views was watching Alison Dubois on TV like most of America did, and it really didn't give me a true Mm -hmm. picture of it until I got to know Melanie Runyon as a friend. It seemed that uh, she did not call on spirits. This is purely something you can't turn on or turn off. That will. It's something that, you know, in her case, I know that you say that as far back as nine, you can remember, you know, hearing from spirits. Hers started at age four. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're that age, you're not thinking of calling on spirits or trying to seek out spirits. Uh, You're you're more interested in, you know, playing and having fun. So when... Exactly. Yeah, mine actually so, started even before. Mine really developed, developed at night when I came out of the coma. But I think back even further, there were there was some contact, even I would say two and three. I would say more like my, my spiritual guides, my angel guides. There were I always felt surrounded by angels, you know. But it wasn't until I was nine and sick and came out different where it seemed to be more intense, I would say, where I was starting to maybe understand it but not understand it, you know. So I, I, I think it's something we are born with. What do you what what do you feel about that? Right. And the way I look at it too is you know, if you can trace it back that far, it's pretty much a certainty that you were made that way by the Lord. If you go to the 139th Psalm, you know, it's right. saying words, for example, that, you know, I, you know, you saw my unformed body in my mother's womb. You, mm-hmm. um, through you, I am truly, fearfully, and wonderfully made. All of my days mm-hmm. known by you and were in your book before one of them came to be, Psalm 139, 13 through 15. And I may have, you know, missed a word or two here or there, but the idea is that... I think you're doing was, pretty well. <laughs> it was the Lord that shaped our body. That that psalm is addressed to him. And if he addressed right. us with the frequency of mind to see and hear spirits, none of that is mm-hmm. attributable to Satan or the devil. There's no part of us that is made by him. It is all We right. are entirely made by the Lord in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can even, like I said, remember back when I was a young kid and my my constant, um, I wouldn't say obsession, but I just, the angel thing kept happening with me. You know, um, I thought as a kid, and, and you know, like I said, because I was a child, you, you don't have any preconceived ideas because you don't know any better, you know what I'm saying? And I just remember a lot of angels all the time, and it's like, I kind of in the beginning, you know, I thought it was normal because I had nothing to compare it to, or it wasn't uh, uh, given the knowledge of what was really going on or what have you, but I do remember stories, you know, like my dad working for the church, and as much as, you know, he was religious, but I think both my parents are very spiritual also, not just quote-unquote, you know, your regular religion, because I can remember my dad sharing stories with me as a kid, um, and hear him talk to my Mom about certain things that happen at the church that weren't quite normal, like uh, contact, um, I would say with spirit, 
Um, I can remember, I'll share one story with you. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show before, but one of the, uh, my dad was sexton of the church. You're, you're familiar with that, I'm sure. He was the keeper right, of the ground. Right, kind of custodian and, uh, of the ground. Yeah, yeah, but, but he was even more so. He was on the vestry and, uh, you know, kind of the government of the church and very into, you know, very into the politics, if you want to call it that, of the church. And uh, one of the other former sextons before my father, my grandfather, father was a sexton and then they worked together and my uncle and then there was a fellow that he they had taken over for whose wife had um and this is one of my first i would say first things of understanding life after death i guess you, you would say per se but um he, he, this other sexton was there and his wife had passed away while he was at work and yeah. my dad talked about uh, the stories, because you had those, you know, in the church, you didn't have the furnaces like you have here. You would have the, um, like the forced air heaters coming up through the, uh, the floor, the cement floors. And yes. my dad actually witnessed, I guess, in the church, along with the other sexton, and I guess my grandfather at the time, my uncle, that were, they all worked together. And, uh, why well, they needed so many, I don't know at the time, but, uh, coins, like rolling up into up the aisle in the church up to like the altar and going and going into the uh the forced hot air heater things and into the the actual grates out of the blue these coins would roll up and then the the other minister the minister the other sexton had uh told my father how when his wife had passed he was there and he felt a skirt a long skirt like Someone walked by him and, and, like, touched his leg or what have you, and then he got the call. His wife had passed. So I don't think I shared that ever on the show before or with you or with anyone, you know. And so my father did kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, talk about these things, you know. And there was another instance I think we have talked about in the show that my parents had uh, newly married, and I, I guess maybe they had one child uh, at that point, and they were both sound asleep. And my dad said my mom and him woke up at the same time to see this fellow in like oh, 1800, uh, late 1800s clothing standing with a cloak and tall hat by their bed. They woke up at the same time, and this guy looked at them and then walked like right like through the wall out the window. And then soon to find out, uh, come to find out that um, there was a, a former occupant in the house that had committed suicide. So they actually saw, must have been him, you know. So these are something, I don't think I've ever shared these two stories with you before. Not too many, you know. So yeah, you had uh, not shared either of those two that I, to my yeah. recollection. Yeah, so it made me, as a young kid, not, you know, it's not like my, when I was a young child that my, my parents would talk to me about it, but I would, you know, you'd overhear your parents talking. And it kind of like, hmm, well, I'm a little kid, and, and then... Even though I'm young, I was a pretty smart kid, and uh, and you'd hear everybody else talk about, oh, there's no, you know, everything's a fairy tale, everything. And then I'm hearing my parents talk about these things, you know, and I'm like, there's got to be more to this, and, and, and I just didn't quite get it. And then at the time, it was the thing with the angels with me and what have you, almost like uh, they were always giving me messages as a kid. And you know, even little white thought maybe maybe I'm kooky, you know, maybe. But it it's funny that I look back at it now and I see that it was it was the beginning, the beginning of what God's plan was for me, you know. And then um, the the 
the PA resistance to everything was when I was coming out of the coma, and I did share with you and, and many of the listeners that I was in the hospital, and they were at the church praying with the minister for me to be healed, and they really didn't think I was going to make it. And, you know, I had close to, I think it was like 106 fever, which is about most the body could take, you know. And I was in this coma, and uh, they had prayed for my healing, and they were halfway between the church and the hospital. And both my parents did tell me after years later how they heard me scream out, I'm okay. They both heard me say that. So whether my spirit during the coma, because you're more conscious, they say, in a coma than you are, even if you're here, you know. But they both heard me say, I'm okay, and they got to the co- the hospital, and I was out of the coma. So there's got to be more to this than meets the eye, you know. And uh, so um, what is your take on, on any of these things? I mean, do you think a lot of people experience this and they're afraid because of whether their religious back, you know, background tells them this is wrong? Or what's your feeling? Do you think most people experience things like this? Or maybe not to the degree I have, but um, what do you think about that? Well, here's what I've experienced in my time. You know, first of all, I actually asked people back when I was 18, shortly after the episode of, you know, first dating a psychic, you know, mm-hmm. how, do you believe in psychic abilities? 64%. Right. I, oh, I did. I, I interviewed 50 people. This was for a, a paper from my English class. And at that right. time, 64%, 32 out of 50 said, yes, they did, they did believe in people mm-hmm. having, you know, at that time being called ESP, either, you know, telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, or a gift similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that number, you know, this was, of course, you know, 38 years ago. I, I think it's so right, we're talking even the more sense. Right, right, exactly, right. because... I, I was just insatiable for knowledge, so I decided to do an English paper in college on, you know, the social attitudes towards people with psychic abilities. I, you know, we had a university library, so I was able to go down and look at copies of Parapsychology Today, or Parapsychology mm-hmm. Review, it was rather, you know, right. where I could have some source material that I never had before. But it came down to the point that I'm going to have to develop some original surveying because there really wasn't anything out there in 1976 to get a feel for how people would react. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would ask these people, how many of you know a psychic? Well, 16% or eight people did. And I said, okay, Mm -hmm. out of those people now, um, how many of you are curious to know more about their abilities? Well, Mm -hmm. four of them said yes. They would be curious to know more. Three said, no, I'm, I know all I want to know about this. And one person was afraid. <laughs> what, what, well, I'm, I'm there, like many, many people, and I think one of the, the biggest uh, fears is people admitting that it's real because they they look at it like Santa Claus and, 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 and the Easter Bunny and, and say, this isn't, this isn't the real deal. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of people do that more out of fear than than wanting to admit to themselves that it is very real to many, you know. So, um, what when did you question the person that said that you know it's not real, or uh, you know why do you, why do you feel that it is it isn't real, or why why do you feel that you're afraid of it? Did you question that or? 
Well, in in each case, because I was kind of getting a mix of friends and strangers, men, women, churchgoers, non-churchgoers. I was simply just trying to get kind of get statistics for that report in college. But um, generally, I think a lot of people, you know, they either are completely of the impression that, okay, if I believe in this stuff, it shows that I'm not educated or something to that extent. Mm-hmm. I think that that was a lot or of not that only a or, or non-religious. Right, right. Well, not even necessarily non-religious. Uh, you know, there's... I would have to admit, you know, I, I sometimes watch the old classic TV channels like Me TV and so on, and I I pick up a lot of episodes where they actually made, you know, psychic phenomena to look ridiculous, or you know, right, they made it look right. like the person who believes in this is a little bit crazy, mm-hmm. and that the person mm-hmm. who really didn't believe in it and smelled a rat was in fact right. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, mm-hmm. this was kind of a theme in a lot of. 1960s and 70s television shows that that I noticed, and you know, it was a cross section of some pretty good shows. I mean, you know, a couple of them were Twilight Zone. Well, um, it's funny. You should, I was going to say that, Kevin, and 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 it portrayed things like you know, it gave us that little spark, you know, because we we all like the the unknown, you know, as a, especially as a child or a teenager, you know, with me, you know, watching. We'll talk about uh, Richard Ireland a little bit, but I was like, I wouldn't say obsessed with him. It was like intrigued me. I was a very Intrigued by Richard, probably because of my gift, and I've, I've, you know, fortunately that his son Mark has been on the show, as you know, and I found you through Mark Ireland, so there must have been a connection back then. But I know what you're saying. I used to like Chiller Theater and and all these, you know, offbeat shows, you know. So I can re- I can relate to what you're saying, but I kind of it kind of uh, gave us a bad rap. People that who are psychic and have psychic abilities, you know, because it it was. Uh, you know, fairy tale land. Everybody else, you know what I mean. So it kind of gave us a bad rap. Well, I think after the 1960s and maybe the early 70s, things began to turn around a little bit more because you began to see more of the people with psychic abilities in the media. It still wasn't, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. didn't know quite what to think of it at that point. But you know, right. I really didn't have a lot of exposure to it until I was about mm-hmm. maybe 15 years old, and then just two years right. later. Here I am in love with a girl who actually does predict the future, and you know this came at me so quickly that I I, I didn't quite know what to make of it. And as I've told you on previous shows, um, two weeks after I found out that her prediction of a football game that she had made three weeks before that had come true, I mm-hmm. asked a couple of you leaders. What do you think of somebody who knows that something's going to happen before it happens? That was the way I said it. Right, and they. Both looked at me and one said, uh, that's not of God. And the other one looked at me and said, uh, I'd stay away from that. Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was the wrong thing to say to me at that point. In fact, I was even thinking to myself today for the first <laughs> time in many years, I thought, what if I had really sat there and believed them and believed that this girl was, you know, Nuts or taken over by an evil presence uh, to interfere mm-hmm. with my serving the Lord, but it, you know that's not what it crossed my mind in 1975. Where I thought she doesn't act like this. You know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. stay away from her just because somebody else thinks so. And it was kind of like you would, the, I ironically the met her at a Bible camp, right? Uh, a summer uh, Bible study camp. Am I am I right? It wasn't like you, it was you like had just met her at the playground. 
Yeah, well, yeah. It was, so it was, it was a fall youth retreat on Mount Lemon, which is in the Catalina Mountains near Tucson here. And uh-huh. what happened was that, uh, you know, she and I had kind of taken a liking a little bit to each other, but really hadn't had much of a chance to talk or be together or anything. And I was on my right. way back up to the cabin because the sun had set just about like it has right now here. And I was going to put my camera away. It had no flash. And so I thought, well, I'll go up there. Well, as I was on my way up, I kind of felt like there's somebody behind me. And I turned mm-hmm. around and saw Tammy following me. And she, she said, where are you going? I said, I was going to put my camera away. She said, I can hold it for you. Well, she held the camera mm-hmm. and she walked over and sat down on a concrete slab that faced towards right. the lights of Tucson that were coming on. And right. I walked over and sat beside her. And I was kind of like, uh, um, what do I say now? And so I was looking at the lights, and I said, I wonder who's winning the football game down there. Well, you're a teenager, and you're going through the emotions, and, you, you know, you're, it's that awkward moment, you know? It's like, what do I say next? Yeah, we've all been there, so I can understand. Well, uh, the answer kind of surprised me that I, I wasn't expecting. And she said, I already know, Rincon, which was my school, you're going to lose. And I thought, okay, mm-hmm. this is some sort of a taunt. And I said, well, what makes you think so? He said, because right. Calvary is going to win. And I said, they're not even playing each other. You know, I don't get it. And she says, right. so far, when one is lost, the other is won. When the other is lost, the other is won. Right. And, and but anyway, she she said, I know that mine's going to win and yours is going to lose. I got mm-hmm. back to school Monday morning, and I find out that what she said actually happened. Our school lost, right. our school won. But you know, it's yeah, but that like, conversation, you know, I said. Anybody <laughs> else could think it's a 50-50 chance as a shot. You know, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. So maybe you thought he was grasping at straws at that point, possibly? or what was your Well, feeling? it wasn't even crossing my mind of this being psychic. I thought this was more of a taunt or a tease at that point. So anyway, I thought, okay. Exactly. There's not going to be one way to find out, you know, that this won't work. And I said, okay, three weeks from now, your school and mine play each other, okay? So, right. obviously, if my school wins, yours loses. If yours wins, mine loses. You know, exactly. it's not going to tell you who's going to win the game. I said, who's going to win at 10? And mm-hmm. the first thing she did was kind of look straight forward, kind of tilted her head back to She said, mm, neither one. I said, what do you mean in year one? That, so just, we just started that said. 50-50, the 50-50. It's kind of like when someone's expecting, well, you're either going to have a boy or a girl. <laughs> so, well, she turned the you know, 50-50 that, chance into a one out of 50 probability because, let's yeah. say you assume that there's about 12 or 13 games in a high school football season. I was already in my senior year, and I'd never seen a game end in a tie. Right, right. So here she's saying that neither one's going to win this game. This is October Mm -hmm. 17th of 1975. Mm -hmm. And so obviously this game is going to be played November 7th. Right. Well, my friend who, you know, was talking to me after school that day, you know, and he he was from the same school as she was, and he said, well, who do you think is going to win? And I said, well, I don't mean to be disloyal. I think yours is probably going to actually win this one. but. (laughs) I said, Jamie says that neither one will win. He kind of gave me this weird look, and he says, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, that's what I asked her, and she said it it meant exactly what she said. Right, right. And and he's still puzzling over it, and I I had to go to work. I couldn't get out of going to work to go to the game and see if this happened. And so I'm pulling up to his house after I get off my shift at work, He's running across the street yelling, it was a tie, it was a tie. 
<laughs> right, hallelujah. <laughs> wow. Well, wow, that had to blow your socks off. Yeah, and I'm kind of sitting there thinking, she knew this three weeks before it happened? How did mm-hmm. she know? How did she know? I mean, my mind was this broken record all night long thinking, how did she know? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I even told him, I said, so that must be what she meant by neither one. And then he gave me that dumbfounded look like, oh, my gosh. You know, or, you know he didn't say it, but, you know, that, that totally startled look that what I had said really came true. And he knew as much well, as I, I did. He hadn't seen a tied game. <laughs> well, I believe it was the Lord uh, set up for you. You know what I'm saying? To, you know, like I said, the chances were when she predicted initially – it was going to go 50-50, so maybe you're thinking like most everyone else is like, it's going to go either way, so whatever, lucky guess, you know? But when I feel that you were set up to do what you're doing now, like me, you know, that this was a preparation in a very gentle way, you know what I'm saying? Right. Because, and in, the um, book, uh, yeah, in, in the book, I even say this. I says, you know, how could predicting football games be a thing of the Lord? And I said, then I mm-hmm. said... I said, I said back then when she made that prediction, only the right. Lord knew that it would lead to me writing a book that you would pick up someday and read. Right, right, exactly. Only the Lord exactly. could have known that in the year nineteen seventy-five. You know, I, I, I kind to, I, I try to um, tell people that you know we're we're created in the image of the Lord, and everybody, you know, I grew up believing this strict guy sitting behind a desk and everything was cut and dry. You're either going to hell or you're going to heaven and blah, 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 you know. And then I realized, well, if we're created in the image of the Lord, he has to have a sense of humor. So I think he does things to be funny in a way. Um, Like, for instance, what you're just talking about, that he shows his sense of humor. Okay, this doesn't mean diddly squat, you know. For anybody else, like, why would... He send this girl to you and predict a uh, tie game or, 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 you know, what have you. But it, it was in prep. The Lord has his plans, but he does it with a sense of humor at times, you know. That's my take on it, you know. And um, I, I wish other people would realize that he does have a sense of humor. He does laugh, you know, laugh with you, you know. And, um, you know, so he, he just, to me, that, that's what he was showing you, his sense of humor. Okay, we're 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 going to do baby like baby steps. You have to crawl before you walk. So I have a feeling that was your crawling before you your your true walk with the Lord. Now you know what I mean. So well, step um, one, I'll agree. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the next part was basically after the youth leaders had said what they said to me. Step two was. Why do I believe what I believe? Because one of the problems in 1975 was that we had just come off of a year earlier where The Exorcist was the best-selling movie in the theaters, and for some reason everybody was going around saying that almost everything supernatural was attributable to the devil. Right. And right. You by know, the way, that movie scared the heck out of me. <laughs> it scared me. <laughs> I was frightened by that movie. My, you know, it's funny you should say that. That's one of the first uh, drive-in movies that my late husband took me to. And you know, really? during that whole movie, during during that whole movie, I laid down on the car seat. I said, "I can't watch this." We were going to the movie in a storm, 
and it kind of cleared up, but it was like, I don't like this. I don't like, and he was laughing at me through the whole thing. He goes, look at this. I said, no, I, because, you know, I was very spiritual and I didn't really like these. Who, who does like that kind of thing, you know, and it really creeped me out. So, but again, it gave a bad name to somebody who does, who is psychic, you know, so anything supernatural was always given to uh, credits to the devil. You know what I'm saying? So that that's another thing I think a lot of people, like you're saying, relate to things like that. Am I right? You know, like the Twilight Zone and the, you know, the Exorcist. So, proceed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, no, no, like that, I said, that's I just, fine. It's just that there's usually two aspects many times, and I address this in the forward to my own book is that mm-hmm. either somebody thinks, okay, you're you're kind of crazy to believe it. Or if mm-hmm. you do believe it, if it's real, then that's something to avoid. Uh, it's going to lead you down the path of evil, and to you mm-hmm. know. And this, and the, the fact was, is that you know, in about that time, there was you know, I was getting the impression, whether it was right or wrong, that right. okay, all these miracles, the things like you know, in Acts chapter five, where Peter calls. Um, Ananias and Sapphira out on the fact that, you know, that they had lied, you know, mm-hmm. by saying this, that the money they were laying at the apostles' feet was the full price of that land. <clears throat> and Peter mm-hmm. says, you have not lied to men, but to God. He right. had to have had some knowledge, either he telepathically read their mind or the Spirit of the Lord was saying, no, Peter, they are mm-hmm. lying to you. That's not the full price. But in any right. case... I said to myself, what's the difference between that and what Tammy did? Mm-hmm. What is the real difference here? You know, right. but yet they, they would say, that's of God, but what's going on today right. is of the devil. And I kind of right. had to tear down and say, well, why do I believe what I believe? You know, mm-hmm. was I just raised to believe this way, or is there some foundational reason for me to believe that the Bible is truly God's word? So that was step two. Right, right. And my conclusion after after that, I was fortunate enough to um, be invited to go to a Josh McDowell seminar that was on the University of Arizona in 1976. And one of the very first things he talked about was why he believed the Bible to be God's Word. And he was selling copies of his book, then, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I picked it up and I read it. Mm-hmm. And I was very convinced after reading that, plus checking a few other sources, that yes... Right. This this book is uh, is a world apart from every other religious writing. Enough to say yes, this is God's word. I may agree with it, I may disagree with it, right. but whether I do or not, it does not change the fact that it is God's word. It has a supernatural character all its own. And I I wrote a very short nutshell version of this. It's chapter twelve of my own book, but it was not based mm-hmm. on Josh McDowell's work. It was based upon me doing my own work years later right. in teaching the similar thing to my class. Mm-hmm. What do you um what is your what is your feeling on you know from a very early age we're taught it, and you know me growing up Episcopal you growing up you were Baptist always right? And um 
Well, what do you think the whole free will thing is? Um, you know, we, we, we go to Sunday school, and most of us that are, you know, Christian, even Jewish people, they have their own type of Sunday school or Saturday or what have you. And we're taught about our free will. What do you think the purpose of free will is? You know, we have the Bible. We have our set of rules. And then God gives us free will. Um, what do you think that's all about? I don't think I've ever well, asked these questions before. No, you you hadn't, but I look at it this way. Would you, mm -hmm. let's say, yes, we're coming up to Christmas season. Do you appreciate a gift that somebody wanted to give you or a gift that somebody had to give you? Um, Wanted. Okay. Now, if they wanted, wanted the that heart. meant that it was their choice. They did it out of the love of their heart. Whereas somebody right. else might feel, okay, I'm I'm going to this gift exchange. I have to have a gift and give it. You know, yeah. those gifts no don't feeling. mean as much. Right. right, and I would probably say right now that if you've got, like I've got in my office here, I've got a little short two-by-four with a bunch of Hot Wheels taped to it, and on the front of it was written, Happy Father's Day, Dad. That is still wow. a very treasured possession. You couldn't get me to trade that for, uh, uh, you know, a humble figurine. A bag of gold. <laughs> a bag of gold? You got it, you got it. But, uh, a bag of, you know, and it's funny that I think I think your son Ryan giving that to you, Mark was the Hot Wheel king. Miley, <laughs> that's it, you know as the Karen Carpenter song goes, we've only just begun. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, which led him to, you know, the race car driving and his knowledge of where to get parts nobody else could find. And this kid being in the hospital many times in ICU with his little computer and sitting up with a bipac helping him breathe, and he's ordering parts for people that can't get. And I'm like. What is wrong with him? You need to get healthy. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, he's getting parts from Oshkosh or, or Hoboken. Or, I don't know. <laughs> but, but again, you see that free will marks. You, you know, he sorry? chose to want to do that, you know, and we're yes. all richer for it. <clears throat> Yes, yes. He, they. Well, you, you've seen, and well, we're going to touch on that too, Kevin. That um, not every psychic. I would say, I mean, you relate a lot between Melanie and I that we both lost our daughters. Uh, her daughter was 29. Meg was three months shy of 29 when I lost my first child. And mm -hmm. we had a lot of similarities, like you said. You know, we both grew up in the Episcopal Church. We were both spiritual mediums. Uh, though we do what we do when we know that heaven is for real, we both have the human aspect of that's our kid. Why? The whys. Why me? Why me? You know? And, you know, um, and I think a lot of people, too, realize that, um, you know, or not, I wouldn't even say realize, they, they, they look at somebody like me, it's like, how the heck do you keep doing this? How do you, are you, some are thinking it's insanity that I had a total breakdown and all of a sudden, boom, I'm a psychic medium, you know? No, it didn't happen that way. It was long before I even had kids, you know? Um, or, you know, she's going off the deep end. This is just a void to avoid her true feelings. I speak about my true feelings all the time. And you've seen, and I've also documented on, on my, my pages on Facebook, uh, my, my, my regular page. And I decided to post the page, which, which is terrible to this day. I don't remember the name of the the, uh, the total page, but it's what signs tells you your loved ones are still around. It's a long title, like yeah. um, 
I had someone on my show, uh, Sandra Champlain, that interviewed me. She goes, could you say that name again, that long title? And she pointed people in that direction because initially she was just coming on my show. And ironically, she got into this and in, in, out of fear of dying, which I had as a child too. And I think many people do, but they don't talk about it. But then things started happening with her and and the the really – uh, we talk synchronicity on my show, was that she is the chef to most of the famous race car drivers and travels all over the country. So that was another kind of um, validation or synchronicity to me of, well, what are the chances of me meeting this woman? And, you know, 99% of these people, I don't remember how I met them. You know, you, I know because of Mark Ireland. Okay, but not every things will pop up on my site or whatever, and I'm like, mm, they seem interesting. Let me have them on. But all of a sudden, her agent called me and says, before she's on your show, she, you know, read about you, talking about yourself. She wants to talk to you. We had a wonderful. I don't know if you ever heard it, but a wonderful interview on We Don't Die Radio. You know, I, I just really love that. In fact, you mentioned me in that one. I was very really surprised, but uh, yes, I heard. Uh, I mentioned you in all of it because you're. It's, well, you you are my, as far as I'm concerned, my spiritual advisor. As much as I, you know, grew up with my mom being a diehard Methodist, and maybe it's the wrong word, but she was. And, yeah, I still attended our church, the Episcopal, but uh, I had a lot of uh, religion. I wouldn't say shoved down my throat, but it was a way of life for me, you know, between dad working for St. Mary's Episcopal in Scarborough and and my grandmother, my mother's mother being the organist at Asbury Methodist, you know, and my mother, <laughs> a cute funny story not to, to get off the subject, but my mom always wanted to be Catholic. I don't know why. <laughs> so yeah. after, after the services at Asbury, she would sneak over because it was between her home and the church over to the Catholic services. <laughs> I don't know what her deal was, you know, maybe because a lot of the people, I, I grew up in a very Irish uh, Catholic, somewhat German town of 7,000 people, and majority of them went to the Catholic Church. So I don't know whether it was a thing to fit in, like, oh, look at me. I, I can go to the Catholic Church, too, even though my, my mother's the, 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 the organist at the Methodist. It might have been a, a, um, a thing of status with her or something. I, I don't know what you would call it. But I, I'm like, well, why did you want to be Catholic? You know? <laughs> she just wanted to fit in, I think, you know. But um, anyhow, um being that I had so much, uh, per se, religion, and I shouldn't say shoved down my throat, I, I'm very appreciative of that I had both very religious parents very and spiritual. They weren't just religious. They were both spiritual. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I'd be where I am at 61 years old either because I had – you know, just like uh, when you're baking a cake and the holidays are coming, you, you take the ingredients and you start with a recipe. And you start with the basics of eggs and butter or whatever. My religious background, I look as the main ingredients to where I am now spiritually, you know. And I do thank God every day for that. You know, even though in the teen years, I was a little bit of a, I was, I was somewhat of a rebel. Not that I didn't believe in God. Of course I did, you know, but I kind of did my own thing. But then as years went on, I, I really started to getting very deep about this and thinking about religion and more spirituality. And and it wasn't so much to going to church because the dad working there. It was, you know, there were three services and Sunday school in between, and he drove. And it was, a, you know, maybe five miles, six, seven, whatever, from where we lived. I had to be there through all the services, you know, and I'm like, 
it could get a little tedious, and I wouldn't even say boring, you know, but it was, I had to be there from 8 o'clock in the morning till 12, 12.30 in the afternoon, you know, so I had a little more what, you know, what you would call religion than most kids did because I've been working there, but I'm glad I did, because I took, like, also, like, from, like, ingredients and a little taste of the communion service and 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 then Sunday school in between and 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 the and the um everything else you know and and I really listened that I think that knowledge stayed with me that brought me to who I am now you know so I'm very grateful for what I had you know I really am uh, how was your um upbringing as far as religion in your own family uh, were your parents very religious or what was the deal with your your uh, uh you know coming up in in religion. Well, Were your basically, parents, I was least... raised. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, no, um, I was I was raised. I, I was first brought to the church when I was three months of age. I was raised in the sense that my mom believed that if you're if you're not sick, you're in church every Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. We had originally started in, in a conservative Baptist church. Um, we went to a Southern Baptist church when we moved away from Wichita, and I was in a Southern Baptist church from that point on. Every Sunday I was there. Um, right. You know, say so, you know, I had a lot of knowledge of the Bible through that. Uh, I had read mm-hmm. Bible story books as a child, which acquainted oh, yeah. me with a lot of the Old Testament, you know, that I probably would never have gotten through had I not had that to start with. Um, right. You know, we had we had memory verses, Bible drills, you know, things like this to acquaint you with this stuff. In, but I think that you know, again, this is where I got to my late teens, almost eighteen years old, and and then the psychic uh-huh. stuff kicks in, and I right. spent probably years wondering. Okay, I've only dated two girls, Tammy and Stana, and I married Stana, and both were mm-hmm. psychic, and I and I think right. You know, I've always tended to believe in purpose a lot more, especially after I met Santa. My parents didn't teach me, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, signs, purpose, and things like this, but Santa always spoke of it. And I would get right. to thinking, what is the purpose of my life that the only two girls I ever dated were both psychic? There's got to be some reason yeah. for this. Part of and, God's plan, like I, I think, yeah. Right, you know, there was a point from the time I was 22 till I was 30, though, that... that we basically two turned two our again, back right? <laughs> two two. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> my key number. <laughs> oh yeah. No, earlier sorry. today I looked at I looked at the date on the calendar and I said, okay, if you take eleven and add twenty five, which is the month and the date, and then subtract fourteen for the year, you get twenty two again. Really? I don't know what the purpose wow. of that was, but I thought of it. <laughs> Wow, that's the way my mind works. I I always come up with some weird mathematical thing, and it's well, you you know, you you even pointed, yeah. Well, you pointed that out to me. Like, not only was my son where the numbers two 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 started showing significance when my my middle name Shirley after my late aunt was in room 222, and she died at 222, and my brother Lee is the one who pointed that out years ago, back talking about the same time you were going through this in the, in the 70s, like 1978, I think she passed, or 70, no, uh, yeah, 78, uh, no, the end of, uh, the beginning of 79 she passed. So it was around the same time you were going through things, and um, and I listened to him over the years, and, and you know, here we go, two, 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 and then it started happening to me. And you were one of the ones that pointed out to me, not only was my son Marcus 22 years old, 
and died on two two eleven, which is eleven one and one is two, the triple twos. But yeah. he was actually, and I liked your 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 analysis of it. You know, your I love your analytical mind. I really do. And and you said, do you realize he was also two months and two days old when he died on two two at twenty two? You blew my, you know, actually you blew my mind with that, Kevin. You did, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never, I never even went that far as analytical as I can be at times, you know. But it, it's all the um, the connection. Um, do, I don't know if you got to listen to my show. Was it last week or the week before? Where, uh, you know, me with my pages and I post when I get pictures. I I try to show people concrete proof of. Look, I'm not alone with this, and I'm going to show you whatever I get, like Mark's, my son's face peering in that guy's door and appearing in that little girl that died of the same illness that my daughter and son died of cystic fibrosis. And and she was in Ireland. I never met this kid, but she just happened to be in my, the CF groups that I still continue to um, help people through. I never met that kid, and I never saw her picture before that. But you saw the picture, you know, and if you knew Mark, I, I mean, his friend's. But his friends saw the picture without having me to post, of course, for people that people that didn't know Mark at that stage, and like, oh, wasn't that so nice that he? Befri-? And it's like, nice my butt. <laughs> that well, girl know, just passed away, and she lived in Ireland. I'm sorry. You know, I've thought about the the unmistakable signs you get, like you say, the the Mark's reflection in the in the window pane, which I've seen the picture mm-hmm. of. You know, if you say of the boy who either was Mark or looked like Mark in the photograph of the girl in Ireland, you know, right. that basically, I, I, you're maybe familiar with the scripture to whom much is given, much is required, Luke twelve forty eight. I think you can turn that around and say, to whom much is being required of, I'm going to give you all the more. You know, right. it's a flip flop of what Jesus actually said. But it, I look at the fact that a one. You've had to overcome the fact of the people saying, oh, you've just become crazy through grief. But you mm-hmm. also have a lot of grieving parents out there um, mm-hmm. who lost a child, not only to cystic fibrosis, but accidental suicide in other ways. Um, right. But they're all looking at you and saying, well, oh, come on, give me something that really shows that there's a life after uh, physical death, and you've got pictures. Yeah. You can say, "Here, look at this." Don't you? You don't have to take my word for it. Look at the picture. Well, and and I not only do that for them, I do that for the unbelievers. And of course, you know, I'm sure there's many people. And I, I swear, as God is my judge, I have not photoshopped, and everything is what I get. I am, even though being a true psychic medium, and intuitive. I just as amazed when these things happen, I get still good. I'm human too. This is what I try to convey to uh, my audience, to my friends, to my acquaintances, or whatever. I'm human too. So if you don't think I question everything before, you know, the kind of remember the saying, the proof's in the pudding. I, I put it on these pictures. For instance, the oh, first yeah. picture when he when he appeared in that 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 door in um, New Jersey. And this guy, like I said, he was newly married, didn't believe in this stuff. His wife took his picture. They were only married a week or two. And I don't I, – and to be honest with Kevin, I belong to so many groups, grieving groups and cystic fibrosis and, and, and parent groups and what have you. I Yeah, I belong to some of the paranormal, but I don't go to them. That day when that happened, something whispered in my ear, go to that site. 
And I'm like, why am I doing I didn't even know why I did it, you know? And I went there, and I, and the first thing to appear was this picture. And I, I was like, I took a deep breath, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's Mark. And then I'm saying, yeah. I have a picture, uh, which was a picture that most of his friends would post, because if you notice, he always told everybody his name was Billy, which was not his name. It was kind of a joke thing with him, and it says, yeah. you know, we're praying for you, Billy. That that actual pose in that picture with the picture that was in the door pane and the window, a front door pane of that, that guy in Jersey was almost identical. I mean, you saw it. I saw it. Yeah, and the amazing um, thing that, is somebody else took that picture, so they've got the original that nobody can say yeah. that you doctored up a picture because they could produce the no. original. I mean, to me, you, you can't get more hard proof Wherever the fact yeah. that somebody else shot the original, you weren't even around New Jersey or Ireland. Exactly, exactly. And then the second one, of course, he, you know, Mark didn't because of his illness. He always stayed looking quite young. Okay, he he really didn't grow much past fourteen. But actually, the last one with the uh, with Kate in Ireland and the boy, whether it was what they call doppelganger or was actually somebody that was Mark's identical twin was laying in that bed first of all why is this little girl sitting in a chair next to her bed because she was going home this is prior of course to her death when she was sit in a semi-well stage and this boy is just laying in her bed in the same position because every mark always laid there with you know i'm cool let me put my hands behind my head i'm cool i'm sick but i'm cool i'm fine you know that was mark's way exact same position when you would walk into mark's whether he'd be in icu and it wasn't just the face looking like it. it was the position he was laying in, lying in, and and it was like, oh my gosh, I was more so even than the one with the the New Jersey uh, picture of him in the door. Yeah, when I saw that one, and and the the my famous word ironic because it is still all ironic because I'm human, um, and I say that in my book a lot because it is ironic, but um, I lost my breath on that one and the and i'm putting two to two together over the the previous weeks because i also had christine dominiac uh, i don't know if you how familiar you are with her and sonny wells who has um their host of ask the angel shows and they've been doing only this through your show when you when you had them on your show was the only only familiarity mm-hmm. i had with them well try try going to their show ask the angels because uh, it's it's a phenomenal, fantastic show. And then, again, my synchronicities with them, having them on, I found out Sonny and I had the same birthday. Then while during the show, when my son was annoying everybody <laughs> and taking over the readings, which made me break down and cry on my show, which I don't normally do, Christine, when I said the date he died, Christine goes to me, that's my birthday. So here I have these two women one has my birthday. The other is on the birthday of my son's death. There's 365 days a year. You can't plan this. Nothing is 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 planned in advance. I was like, "Are you? Wait a minute. When is your birthday?" I said, "You've got to be kidding me." So that's me. And then, yeah, I mean, come on. Let's let's face it. I mean, seriously. And if you listen to my shows, even like I was talking about. A distant relative, he's not my, my blood, but he's related to my blood. 
I'm doing all of a sudden, you know, like I don't have enough to do, Kevin. You know me. I'm, I'm a busy beaver here. I'm always, yeah. you know, I'm writing, and I'm, I have a book coming out in about a, another book, my poetry com- coming out in a week, and I'm finishing Racing Hunters in Heaven. And I'm sitting here, decide all of a sudden, because I love family. Family is everything. You know, I was always, they called me the Henry Kissinger of the family because one of six kids, somebody was always arguing or whatever. So it was always about a peace treaty, and Peggy was always the peacemaker because at least <laughs> I called my, myself that when I was younger. I would say 20, the Henry Kissinger of the family. I was always signing the peace treaty. Okay. <laughs> and I said, if not for nothing, can you take one day a year Christmas and let's all go to mom's? Because it was a big buffet and the aunts and the uncles and the brothers and sisters and the cousins and everybody would get together. And, and it always worked out whether this one was mad at this one for this reason. But I would beg them, come on, it's just one day a year. And I, I always got my way because family is everything to me, everything. And, um, you know, I, I, I may seem a little rough around the edges because I say it like it is to people, but family is really, that's all we have, you know. And not we're not always going to agree, but I always try to keep peace. But So anyhow, to make a long story short, I decide, I get this idea, I'm going to do this family tree thing, okay, on, on um what do you call it, Ancestry.com. I've gone back to great-great-grandparents and uh, listeners that have heard my show, and you you know my story. I was also a victim of Hurricane Sandy. So on top of a year after losing Don, even though we were separate, we were married. We never divorced, but we were together many years, had four children, and stayed friends at the end um, and took care of him and my dying son at the same time. Um, uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, I I decided to do this genealogy thing, and 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 people are sending me pictures from family, family, some family I just met, you know, that were second cousins of my mom, and and hearing my story, and they're loving it, and this one picture, which re- was related to the show I did with Bill Teat, William Teats, who was the author of uh, Recovering Alcoholic. This picture I remember as a kid, and it was a fun picture, and it shows everybody smoking cigars. And yes, the men drank. The women, not one woman in that picture. My aunt Dot, my mother, or her sister, uh, my aunt Dot's sister Ivanelle in that picture, who is Bill's grandmother, drank. They weren't drinkers, but they're all sitting there with a bottle. It was just like, let's goof around, let's show happy times. And I loved that picture growing up, and it disappeared. Well, this picture reappears in my life via. My brother giving it to my my dad's uh, brother, who never married, had a child out of wedlock, was given up for adoption, uh, never knew the family until two years ago. We become best friends, not only being first cousins. So we're trying to um, cover the year she lost with the family. And there's no denying because she looks like she could be my twin. We look very much alike. We're a lot. We call ourselves Patty Duke and Kathy Lane, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, we talk alike, we walk alike, you know. But it's kind of funny. So I took her under my wing, and we did things, and I showed her where her dad was from. We were actually able to visit my grandparents' house. and So I covered what she missed all those years. Well, my brother decides to send her this picture. I didn't know he had it. I didn't know where it disappeared when my parents died, and she had it. Just that week, this is the really crazy thing, and I still think some things are – I shouldn't maybe use the word crazy, but this, she sends this to me, um, and I'm not, a, I'm not one of these people that message on the phone. I hate it. I hate it. I don't check my messages on my phone. <laughs> I'm a Facebooker, but not a message person. 
And she, one of the pictures she sends me was that picture. I'm like, Deb, where did you get that picture? I have been looking for that picture forever. I love that picture. So before going into the um, ancestry, you know, thing and uh, ancestor dot com or whatever, I post some of the pictures because some of them are pretty old, you know, and fun. So I, I share my life with people. I'm an open book, and I put that picture on. You know, Kevin, I have to say, I wouldn't even say within 24 hours, within maybe hours, maybe minutes. I can't recall because I'm still in shock. I put this picture up, and it had nothing to do how I found Bill, William. And I'm like, all of a sudden, this book pops up, and I see the name William Teats. Now, Teats is not a common name. This picture yeah. I just posted, the guy in the picture, who was my aunt's brother-in-law, married to my uncle, my dad's brother, her her sister is married to William Teach. So I get all kinds of gutsy and very very loud mouth like I am in person and and I said, I'm gonna message this guy and he's local. And I said, Are right, you you may think I'm crazy, it's okay, everybody else does, but what is are you related he goes, Yes, that's my grandparents. So I wow. start typing away and I'm like, Well, your grandmother's sister was married to my dad's brother, and we got talking about our mutual cousin. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I used to go – because my cousin's husband was a correctional officer, and they lived up near uh, near Buffalo, near the Canadian border. He was mayor, and he goes, I used to go there during the summer. I never, ever met this guy in my life, and he grew up a couple miles from me. And then he's wow. an author. Recovering alcoholic, and it was at death's door. And even when um, we we went from Facebook, it's like, give me your number. We are on the phone, like, and we're talking about the family. We're having a grand old time. We said, we got to meet face-to-face, and I want you on my show. And you, we, we talked about it, and I didn't really tell him I was an intuitive medium because, you know, I don't hit people with that right away. I want them to get to know me as a human being first, you know. Oh, well, we meet at the public library, and we exchange books, and we sign each other's books. And and he we were just – we had so much to talk about, and he comes on the show. And prior to this, I Google his book uh, before he gave me the book. And we talk about synchronicities with my 222, which I think you've seen, which you know about me. What's oh, yes. his first chapter in his book is 222. Two, two. Come on. And I said, Bill, I don't care if you think I'm crazy or not, but my show is about signs of love one send us. And he goes, I don't think you're crazy at all. And then he, after even meeting him, he comes on the show and he shares his own stories on top of, you know, the alcoholism and when he was in the coma and he was having an out of a body, he was having an um, out of body experience. And to his father's death, who was also William Teats, who was the son of my, you know, my my aunt my, or nephew of my aunt, you know. So my first yeah. cousin, his father's first cousin, same person. So I was like, and on top of it, my sister's husband was also a cousin, even though they weren't related by blood, but. It was weird. It was just really weird, and I filled him on, in on a lot of our uh, family history that he didn't know about. So it was just amazing. I said, "Well, you know what? Your grandfather's doing this." <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah, it was. Oh my god! And that's well, he was he was starstruck. He was like, 
oh my gosh and he and I didn't know what his belief system was he also he grew he grew up in the catholic church like I was married my husband was catholic also so he was taught you know very strict rules and what have you and he says it wasn't really until prior to his his collapse with the alcoholism his, his yeah. father's death and he you know tells me how on his father's deathbed that all of a sudden his father looks out and i think he said the, you know his mother was there and he goes i can go now and his father was hardcore drinker cigar smoker you know what have you but yet it never talked about it. this was a baloney to him you know that tough guy you know what i'm saying and oh, yes. all of a sudden he looks out and he says your mother's here i can go now and he left and he didn't tell me this until the show and i was like wow so between the the way we met, th- there's no um, there's no. He loved the fact that I called it God incidents. There's no coincidence. It's God incidents. God puts it us in oh, each other's paths, like me finding you through through Mark Ireland, uh, Soul Shift, uh, author of Soul Shift, and a few other books. I have them all. Um, and me being intrigued by his father when I'm a teenager. Richard Ireland with his so-called back then magic with a lot of people, but he was a powerful man. He just, I was just drawn to the TV with him on Steve Allen. And this is where it brings me to you and to um, actually help me portray to my listeners and people around me where you can quote from scriptures that I can't because I'm not that versed. I mean, I read the Bible and I'm ADD with things, okay? I can't remember what you remember. I can say something to you. This is what I love about you, Kevin. And you can go right to the page and the chapter and whatever and say, well, this is what God meant. And that is a very special gift. You are very blessed. You are very blessed. Well, thank, thank you very much. Because a, lot of, a lot of times I will sometimes give an exact scripture. Other times I'll, I can remember it's in a chapter. And other times mm-hmm. I will simply say, okay, I'll quote the scripture, but I'll say, you may have to look it up in a concordance. That's not doesn't happen too often. But I like to give a person mm-hmm. a feel that, hey, this is not made up. It's not my opinion. You can go and pull a Bible off the shelf and you can read the fact that I, I am telling you exactly what it says. This is what I like to do. Um, and this is what I like about do, us. Yeah, this is what I – and I don't mean to stop you, but what I want to say, it, it, what I like about you and I as a team doing this, you can do that part of it through through the Lord's work and the Bible, which everyone knows the Bible, okay? I can do now. I can I can tell any grieving parent or any anybody off the street. Yes, I'm a psychic medium, but you know what? If you don't believe me, go to my sites and see those pictures I have. So you and I, I feel as a team in a way, you have uh, you're so well versed with the Bible. I have to prove like okay, if you don't believe me, go to this part. And and I can say go to my site and look at these pictures and you then you then you form an opinion about me. You you get where I'm I'm going with this? Not many yes. people can do that. Yeah. Teresa Caputo can't do that or or Sylvia Brown who I didn't really care for particularly <laughs> or no. or John Edwards or or uh James Van Prague or any of these other people out there. I can go and say, Look at these pictures. I don't I've never seen them do that. Have you? No. Yeah, and this is, you know, as you also know, my gift works in the sense of that sometimes 
somebody could be talking and the scripture will come to mind. I'll, I'll, for example, when we were just talking about the pictures of, of, of Mark, the one in the window right. in New Jersey, the one in Ireland, and Hebrews right. 13, 2 comes to my mind, which says, you know, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels unaware. And that's really so interesting. That, that, that an angel can appear in any human form. And in this mm-hmm. case, I do believe an angel either appeared physically or at least to the film emulsion or whatever to mm-hmm. show Mark there mm-hmm. for the purpose of validating unmistakably. And you, as you know yourself from Acts chapter 12. Now, here's a part where I can quote a book and a chapter, but not the exact verse. He right. was released from prison by an angel. He goes this knocking on the door where they're praying for him. A girl opens mm-hmm. it and says, Peter's at the door. They say, no, it must be his angel. Now, the illusion was that apparently the church believed in the first century that we all had mm-hmm. angels that resembled us, which adds right. creeps to the idea that there's an either there's either Mark in spirit or an angel that looks like Mark in spirit that was mm-hmm. in those photographs. Right. Well, there's there's no denying that, and and it's it, and it's I just stop you one more second. One of the things as a child, even going to church and what have you, I talked about the pencil salesman at the side door that nobody ever rang our side doorbell. Nobody knew it was there, okay? And I can remember as a little child, long before I had gotten sick with the, the supposed encephalitis, which turned out to be multiple sclerosis. But as a little child, we were sitting in the kitchen. Mom was making breakfast, and the door rang. The doorbell rang. It's like. Was ringing that bell was like hardly ever worked, and there was a guy selling pencils. And my mother, and she, she always wore the house dresses. She wasn't fancy. She took care of the six kids, and dad worked and was always home. We always knew mom was home. I was not a latch, what do you call it, latchkey child or whatever. But, yes. um, but mom answered the door, and she gave him whether it was twenty five cents or was, and he goes, "Thank you, ma'am," and left. And my mother turned to me and just and you just actually you know Kevin you gave me chills with the, what you just said because I feel channeled through my mother. She goes never turn anybody away because angels appear, you know angels appear at like or Jesus himself could come to the door and 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 what what you just said like I said you're better at saying it than I am. But what you just said is exactly what my mother said to me. Never turn a, uh, she said, uh, 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 back then they called a hobo, and he was a hobo, uh, whatever you would call it back then. They uh, uh, maybe looked like a, um, uh, um, uh, had no place to live, hobo. I don't know what you call it right. these days. Or I think hobo you know, a homeless, homeless person. Homeless. Yeah, and you interjected what you just said about entertaining angels, and that I would say was about six or seven when that happened, and I have never forgot my mother saying that, and I I've talked about it before, but when you said that, that's exactly what my mother said. You never know when you're into entertaining angels, and I feel that he was, and it brought me another you know at sixty one to where I am also because I remember that it's something that really touched me that my mother said. Don't ever refuse anybody that needs that's hungry. Don't ever refuse, and you know the work I do besides the toy drives and, and what have you. Like I'm doing Sunday, um, I do. I do as much as I can physically possible to help others. Still, you know, and uh, that, that that really touched me. What you just said because that's something my mother that really impressed me as a child. So thank you. See, only the thank Lord you. knew that that 
verse and me quoting it was going to mean that to you. I mean, I was only talking about Mark at first, but uh-huh. it, you know, the Lord knew that that was you know another verse that came to my mind. And when you said that you might be turning down Jesus was Matthew twenty five forty, in which Jesus says, mm-hmm. "Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me." Right. Right. Well, it's so, true. You know, your mother was right on. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, and definitely. And, you know, we, we all get busy, especially during this holiday season. And, you know, I have my uh, poetry, my grief venting um, poetry book coming out. You know, it's it, it was things going on in my life where people from the groups were saying something, and all of a sudden I'm inspired to write a poem. You know, but I'm hoping that touches people, and it has, like my, my poem with empty chairs, to people go about their lives. You know, it's, oh, everybody, if we could only take the way we act, and you see that people that you know are the rudest people that are rude to you all the time, they're considerate and they're happy. Christmas is magical. It really is, you know. For whatever happens, oh, yes. if we could take that attitude and do it 365 days and 366 in leap year, okay, and have that attitude, that feeling, that warmth. And and I think that's what the birth of Christ was on top of everything else is that even if it's for the season right now, you know, I'm watching uh, Hallmark and all the Christmas movies. I love it still, even though it hurts. They're not physic- in the physical here, but I have the memories, and I have my other kids, and I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. So I'm, I'm trying to still find purpose because I have other people that need me, okay? And I'm watching these shows, and I'm, everybody's happy, happy, joy, joy. And then, then Christmas is over, and everybody goes into this – not everybody, but a lot of people go into this depression, or if you want to call it, the letdown. And it's, I think it's kind of that void keep... you feel after you have a holiday season where you yeah. have, I'm going to say, you know, I didn't really pay much attention to the other 55 years of my life, but since it's kind of been brought to my, you know, to notice things that I would not ordinarily notice, I'd sometimes go into a store, be in a place, and I think, what does this place make me feel like? And, you know, to go into Costco, which is, you know, of course, now a bunch of toys, a whole forest of Christmas yeah. trees lit up and everything, and I'm thinking there's a feel of anticipation, a feeling of uh, that kid on Christmas morning something, and I think you, you yeah. go back and it's January 2nd, and that that all vanishes. You feel a void. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, January I, first birthday. <laughs> like, well, that yep. was the other synchronicity, obviously. You, you know, I came into your life, and I had the same birthday as Don. Exactly, exactly. Not many people are born on New Year's Day, you know? And we went through a whole slew of of different um, commonalities, I guess you would call it, and synchronicities of different dates in our life. Like, for instance, Melanie's death date was the day before my father's birthday, and and, uh, there was a whole slew of things. Nathaniel was your son's middle name. That's my grandfather and uncle's name, right? So we had a whole lot of synchronicities, and... Uh, like I said, Richard Ireland's son, Mark, being on my show, brought to my attention the word. Not that I never knew of the word synchronicity, but I never, to the point that I know it now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is great. 
you know, cha-ching, I, I hit the jackpot. There's a word for this, the two-two-twos and the the Sonny Wells and the Christine Dominiacs and the Kevin Schopels and, and, and all the synchronicities. If you listen to every one of my shows, even I would even say prior to Mark Ireland being on my show, there were so many synchronicities. November 22nd seemed to be a big date, too, um, 11 two, two. Mark died two two eleven. People that come on my show and had the birthday, two in a row, within two weeks. I didn't know what the birthday. They were both at the same birthday. One was a grieving mother. One was a uh, a musical um, inspirational uh, girl that I had on the show. It was just phenomenal, the synchronicities. And I finally had a word to put to it, you know, that I never, ever, ever associated before uh, Mark Ireland. Mark <laughs> Ireland. My son's name is Mark, even though it's with a C, you know, and intrigued by his father years ago. Yeah, with a K, you know. I I used to hate it when people say, I'm like, it's Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S. Why are you calling him M-A-R-K? Mark used to say, it's Mark with a C, you know. <laughs> That's exactly right. how he would say it. And it, and it's kind of, um, I think you saw my post, I think it was last week, where, uh, here we go again. You saw my video that finally, after a week, between Meg's birthday and mine, or the, hers is the 1st, September, mine's the 7th. That whole week, the TV started because they, they are energy. They come through electrical things. And that whole week, my TV's going on and off, on and off, on and off. The day I finally decided, I've had it. I'm going to videotape this because you could, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't move something. You could see the TV was still on. The, the cable box was still on. It was going in and out. And just the time I decided to videotape it. The messages that came through were the it, the girl comes on as a commercial and says, amazing, and the guy goes, yeah. It was just there were messages for me to videotape it, even though it was going on for a week. On my birthday at that time, I was even amazed by that. So last week's show, I'm sitting here, and it's Mark's birthday, and I'm okay. So I go into my kitchen to prepare something for Dan and I before the show. And as soon as I walk in, my washer goes on. Like I, I and I show pictures and what have you. You know, you yes. really couldn't tell by the pictures. The, the washing machine goes on, and I do have a time delay thing. If maybe I thought maybe I hit it the other day, the day before, and an eight-hour delay, but there was nothing in the washer to wash. So I look at it, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm trying to find the logical explanation. People think, oh, you think everything's a sign? No, I don't. I find the logical explanations first. So. I go over to it, and I turn it off. I walk away for two seconds. I look over. I hear it click it back on again. And then it turns itself off. And I'm preparing Dan and my dinner. And then it goes back on again. I said, well, you know what? Mark, you're here, right? Okay, knock it off. Because he used to do stupid things like this when he was alive just to annoy me because he was a prankster, okay? Then I go to my room. I do the show. I hang up from the show. My fax machine comes on by itself. That never has done that before. I'm like, okay, Mark, knock it off. Okay, so I let that go. Okay, three times the washer. Then the fax machine. So I go to the kitchen to do something, uh, and it's very cold that night, and I'm uh, Miss Green Thumb. I love my plants, okay? We had a cold snap, and I wanted to save my palm tree because I knew the other ones wouldn't live through the winter anyhow. I said, okay, i got to go get that palm tree and bring it in. I bring the palm tree in, okay? I place it in my kitchen. Just as I do that, my TV comes on by itself. 
So that's three things within two hours. Three times for the washer, once the fax machine on the TV. I said, okay, Mark, I know you're here. You know, I know you're here. His birthday's Sunday, so he's doing like his sister coming to me and let me know, I'm here, Mom. I'm here. You know, it's just, I get amazed. And you know what, Kevin, even though I do this, sometimes it, it freaks me out, too. It does. I mean, I don't know if you ever felt a little freaked out by any of this stuff or whatever. But I, it's still, like... I'm in awe at times, you know. I love it. That's probably but what you're just, saying is, is more been true of me. I've, I've never been freaked out by any uh-huh. psychic, paranormal experience, you know, going all the way back to Tammy 39 years ago. I right. always tend to have my reaction has always been awe, like, wow, how did this happen? How did this, uh-huh. you know... And I think this year it's even been more so with Melanie's passing on March 7th because, you know, I was, you know, she's always taught me. She said, you know, you can always speak to the deceased. You you know, you may not be attuned oh, yeah. to hearing them because you're not a medium, Kevin, but you can talk mm-hmm. to them. And so here I am, right. I'm just kind of exercising this knowledge and on my way to work it's 5.30 a.m. And I, and I said, okay, Melanie... Uh, I can't imagine what you'd be doing at 5.30 a.m. Would you, you know, be talking to someone in another time zone like Alma in New York City or, you know, India or somewhere else where they're more awake, you know, than here in Arizona where it's 5.30 a.m.? You know, I said, I know you're not omnipresent like the Lord. Well, I let her go, go with that. I get into the door at my work, and I'm unlocking it. I'm the only person there. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't punched in yet. I get some stuff from the microwave and make myself a breakfast before punching in. Now, every computer in the place is off, completely right. shut off, not in sleep mode. And right. I'm sitting here. It's exactly 6.15 a.m., and I hear, boom, you know, that, that Facebook noise that says, you have a message received. Exactly. And it didn't only happen on March 10th. It happened again on May 5th. It happened again on June 2nd. Each time, wow. 6.15 a.m., every computer completely shut off for the weekend. It was always a Monday mm-hmm. morning, always with right. me sitting next to that microwave having breakfast right. three times in three months. Uh-huh. Right. Wow. And it was like you're saying, this is an unmistakable sign because it was tied mm-hmm. in with my question. You know, right. how, do you, how do I know you're hearing me when you can't mm-hmm. be omnipresent like the Lord? And exactly. yet I get the same message received. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it, and, and can I ask you, like me, do you always look for the logical explanation? Is something said at that time? Like even with um, that that week between six days between Meg's birthday when the TV started again and my birthday when it ended. I had called. I called cable. I said, you know, I've had it. I, I called cable. They came, and they checked things out, and everybody goes, well, maybe it's your TV. Said, Come on. Well, the last TV thing was wasn't even the TV in the in the room where it happens all the time in my bedroom. Okay, where the biggest TV is wall. It was the kitchen with the washer and 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 the the TV, and of course my fax machine is in my room, and it, it was just a little too much. There, like I said, God instance, there no, there is no coincidence. But I've had things literally checked out because I've people i've had people question me it's like well what 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 about the logical maybe it's something wrong with your team maybe they 
I do it. Like, you've also seen the postings, like, when my nephew Ben, um, we've lost now four young people in my family, two nephews. Um, Wayne will be next month, two years. Ben, uh, a couple months ago. And the things that were happening to me from the time Ben died. And my friend Billy, who was a very close friend of mine, my karaoke buddy, which I love to do, that's my fun time, you know, um, when he passed, I twice between the day he passed before I knew and before I knew Ben died, my home phone called itself. No one was on. I remember and it says, that. And of course, my 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 name is Margaret, of course, formal name, and I've got all my bills under that. And it, what you could see it. I took a picture. I said, Margaret Anisi. And one of the times when my friend Bill died on July, I think it was 31st before I found out, there was also a branch ready to take my house down. And my neighbor saw it and called the tree company before she even called me. And her and it was the same day before I built, I had gotten that call. And it said, Margaret Anisi calling Margaret Anisi. I said, okay. <laughs> I called the phone company. I call. I'm like, already then. And then my phone rings for the warning that the tree company's on the way, and I took the picture. When did she call me? Two, two, two. My yeah. angels again. And then I got a call eleven thirty that night because my dear friend, who I raised like my own, prior to my, I was expecting Meg. I took care of this girl. Was getting married for a second time. Her wedding was coming up, and Bill was supposed to be the best man in her wedding, which had no link with us, but he was going to be the best man. It was really weird because he was my friend, but now he was going to be their best man, and he died. So she called me 11.30 that night and told me Bill had passed away right the week before her wedding. So, and I had got that phone call that day, and I got one when Ben died. And the whistling, you know. Uh, it happened to my cousin who lives in Jersey. She is a very strict Christian. She loves me, but really didn't support me being intuitive, even though she had some things herself, and I, you know, I love you no matter what you do, but I, I'm not supporting it. And while we were at Ben's funeral, we stayed in a hotel because she had to come in from Jersey. We, so we stayed close to my brother, even though I was not too far, but we stayed at the hotel that week. And ah. prior to going to the funeral, she's sitting there and she has her Bible always next to her with her leather cover and reads it every night. And we're sitting in bed and, we're, and she's in her bed and I'm in my bed in the hotel and listening to the voice. And she goes, you like the voice? I said, of course, I love music. We're sitting there and a commercial comes on and all of a sudden, like somebody standing between us starts to whistle, go, it's clear as day. She almost fell off the bed. I almost fell off the bed. She goes, what was that? Then I said, Deborah, I gotta talk to you. Yesterday or today, this morning, before you came to get me, or no, the night before and today, I was the first time I was sitting in my room. The TV was on. I was getting ready to go to the store because Dan didn't want to go to the funeral because he just couldn't deal with losing another family member. Okay, my other son. So I had to go get him food. And I'm sitting here and I hear the same whistle in my room. I'm like, okay, maybe it's the TV. You know, explanation again, you know, logical explanation. Okay, it was actually hours later, I decided to go to the store. I come home, I'm sitting in my car. This is before Ben's funeral, and I have the radio on, Sirius Radio, and I hear somebody in my car doing the same whistle. Two times prior to the one that she heard with me. Melissa comes home from the funeral, and she hears somebody whistling in her car the same thing. 
So when my loved ones come to me, they don't just come to me. I have usually 99% of the time I have witnesses, like with my hugs, but my one last hug in Wendy's, the whistling now. And then my cousin calls me the other day, and she says to me, how are things? I said, fine. And she goes to me, uh, I heard the whistle again. <laughs> He's hearing it even more. <laughs> And she had remarked to me about a neighbor of mine that she briefly met who's going through quite a bit with her husband. who's very ill. She goes, I don't know. I have this terrible – how is you know, so-and-so? And I said, well, he's not doing very well, blah, 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 and just had a new pacemaker put in and can't eat anymore. And, and she goes, oh, all of a sudden she's getting feelings, you know? And she and then I talked to the neighbor yesterday, and something more was going on. I said, "Well, I have to tell you, my cousin called me." So it's it's just very weird. Like like Stana gets the info, like with the um, what was it, the minister in your church with the prostate issues, you know? My cousin yes. is now getting the the type of same thing with like Stana gets, you know. And this is and a girl kind of that knowing about the prostate. Exactly, exactly. Now, and you can read uh, Kevin's book, My Audience. I just want to tell you and find out about that. But this is kind of the things now. My my cousin, who is so not into me having this gift, but it's happening to her. <laughs> well, I, I am very Christian, but I've had things happen to me, and now they're happening since my nephew died more and more with her. And not that she ever thought I was crazy. She just didn't want any part of it. You know what I'm saying? And now it's happening to her, and now she's calling me about it. So it's kind of like God works in mysterious ways, you know, and, um, you know, because a lot of people do think it's of the devil or whatever, and it's not. Um, I've talked to people on the show, too, Kevin. I wanted to give your your input on that where, you know, how I'm not into the tarot card readings. I've done angel card readings, okay? I'm not into tarot or Ouija board or any of that stuff. I'm not into – I don't go searching. Like you said, a true gift, they come to you, Okay. I've had some right. people on the show that have said, well, and I'm not going to mention names. Well, I went and I wanted to find out how to become a medium. And I I don't want to be rude to them. I'm like, you either have this or you don't. I'm not saying you can't. And I, is, is, do you feel that that's the, what the Bible talks about as far as going and searching for it, the familiar spirits? Or no, because, is, you know, when, the gift already you there know. and you – Okay, go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I well, here's the thing is that the, that the Holy Spirit, you know, not only you and I have talked about having gifts at birth, but if you mm-hmm. read 1 Corinthians 14, 1, and it says, you know, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So it's saying mm-hmm. we, you're not only okay to desire a gift that you don't have, but you're mm-hmm. commanded to desire a gift, but mm-hmm. it must be given by the Lord. You don't go seeking to develop because that's you're, you're starting to cross the line into the areas where the Lord has forbidden a practice. That's you know, why I didn't know what to, and, and I'm asking you this because I don't know what to say to them. Because they're well, saying, well, you know, is, I didn't have the gift, but I went to this and I said, you know, I want to disprove it, and then I started getting this. Is 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 that wrong or is... I told them that I felt they already knew they had the gift, and they just wanted to capitalize. I think you have to pretty much be certain that you actually have the gift. You know, Mm -hmm. um, the way it was basically Melanie would say to me is that a person could be gifted to be a piano player, but then they practice more, and they they develop in that way. Now, in my gift, I can only tell you about my gift because it's mine. 
is that, yes. you know, every time that I taught, and I allowed the Holy Spirit to bring to my mind the things that I taught, mm-hmm. but I would acknowledge, you know, in Proverbs 3, 6, or 5 and 6 says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So I took right. that and every time I acknowledged the Lord, he gave me more. You know, it was right. kind of like, you know, every time I did not take the credit for my gift but said the Lord did the lesson, the Lord brought this to my mind, the Lord did this, the Lord did that, and mm-hmm. You know, Jesus even said, you know, if anyone seeks to do my will, this is in John 14, he said, Mm -hmm. he will know whether my message comes from me or from my Father. In other words, the more you choose, make a conscious choice to obey Christ, too, it goes in a cycle where he reveals more to you. By Mm -hmm. your obedience, you obey, reveal, obey, reveal, and that's a building. See, there is no scripture in the entire Bible, Genesis to Revolution, Revelation, uh, right? That that says you're thinking the Beatles were my that was my that, that, was, that was my friend Billy coming through because all through his funeral, um, I told you he was my karaoke partner, and he you was like obsessed with the Beatles. the Beatles. Oh yeah, that's what. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I said Billy's coming through. He's taking over Kevin now. He's got he had to throw in his little nonsense because I was. I was, like, amazed when I walked into the funeral home, and I was very sad because he was my buddy. I used to look forward to it. We didn't date or anything. It wasn't that kind of a, a thing with us. But we went, I would go stop at my – I have quite a few friends that I grew up with that own restaurants and, and, and lounges and bars or whatever. And sometimes I, I would stop at, you know, go to ShopRite locally and my town I grew up in, which is four miles from me. And I'd stop in and I'd have, like, a glass of a wine spritzer or something, you know, one. And because I don't do the drinking and driving, which is wrong. And I'd sit there and nurse it for an hour, hour and a half. And Billy would always seem to show up. And as soon as he'd see me, right to the jukebox and the Beatles and the Eagles, but the Beatles was his thing. And here I'm going so sad to his funeral. And I walk in, and the whole time the screen is the Beatles and all the Beatles songs. And I'm like... You son of a gun. He had his whole funeral planned out to be that way. So when you said revolution, I said, you know what? <laughs> He's coming through. He's coming through. He's channeling Kevin now. <laughs> you know, his little, like I said, God's a jokester, and he makes us in his image. So he throws in his little, his little, uh, his little jokes in between things. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I've also believed in this, that when you have, you know, the old term and slip, or if you accidentally make a wrong move somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, that right. you have, a, you know, I remember a time I was, I had the kids turn to the 23rd Psalm, which, you know, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I Lord's shall prayer. not want yep. on. My okay, one yep. kid made the mistake of turning to Proverbs 23, and I had him read. I thought he had Psalm 23, and it says, right. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you're a man given to appetite. The thing mm-hmm. was is that the next day I had a job interview in a restaurant. Can you imagine really? that I get that slip from a kid who turned mistakenly to Proverbs 23? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, got little jokes again. <laughs> but wow. it's kind of like saying, you know, you're going to be eating before this person. Be very careful what you say and do. Yeah, you know, exactly. all because he turned to the wrong book of the Bible to begin reading his Bible drill verse. 
And I, I, you know what, Kevin, um, not like a cliche or whatever, but I think a lot of people do that the way they, you know, we, we are given free will and we all interpret the Bible differently. And I noticed a lot of my friends I grew up with that, that aren't very supportive even now of what I, I'm doing. And because they're they're very strict in the, per se, whether mostly the Catholic Church. And it's like, sorry, Peg, I'm, I'm not going to, I see them declining to come to my show. And I'm like, it's not like you have to come from Carolina or Florida to come to my show. You call in or you can Skype it. And I asked one one day, I said, how come you always decline? You, you know, you're my friend. Why aren't you supporting or even giving it a shot? Because they're so fixed on their ways of the, what the church says. And it's like, even then they know I'm a good person. They know I'm not lying. They just don't, they still don't quite get the gift that I have. You know, and and I and I'm looking at them, and they're they're they're, they're Debbie Doubters or, or Donald Doubters or whatever, and I'm like, you know, they still don't get it, even in their 60s and 50s, that there are gifts there that you, you we all interpret the Bible differently, and that's why I love having you on the show that you can quote the scriptures and say, okay, Peg, you're not a bad person. They know I'm not a bad person. They know I'm not evil. They know I don't let like a devil control me, but they're still doubting. Because of well, the, the way the they grew up. Well, uh-huh. you know, I always look at, you know, you were asking me a question maybe it was 15 minutes ago about do I ever analyze the logical? And here's one thing that I, I taught even in my class. I said, well, first of mm-hmm. all, if you have a, what you would think is a supernatural occurrence, A, right. it must fit all of the facts in the situation, and then B, uh-huh. How logical, I mean, how reasonable, how reasonable right. is a, is the non-supernatural explanation? In other words, let's take the whistles. Okay. And let's suppose that somebody brought in a little iPod of somebody whistling, they sneak it into the room. Well, that doesn't explain how Melissa heard it. doesn't explain how you heard it in the car. I mean, you'd have to have somebody running all over the city, slipping iPods, uh, in mm-hmm. in in the rooms uh, with whistling on the iPods. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I have serious radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have to say that it that was... explanation is crazier than to believe that there is a supernatural whistling you're, mm-hmm. you're hearing. Right. And of course, I realized it meant pig and whistle. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I read the. You know, well, that, 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 that was a funny story because he called me, and I want to explain to the listeners. And I would slap probably anybody else that called me up. Because it wasn't in a mean way, but I was telling people how since he and his brother, my nephew Robbie, they love the Muppets, and they couldn't say Peggy, so they would call me Aunt Miss Piggy, and they thought I was the cat's pajamas because I was Aunt Miss Piggy. So for years, (laughs) and it was kind of a joke Ben always and Ben adored me, and I found out from his friends who I've actually read that I didn't even know was they were drawn to me after that happened, and I've become friends with a lot of his friends from all over the East Coast here, and uh, read them actually and brought him through, uh, which I usually don't bring my family through when I do readings, but Ben has been a powerhouse too. Ben was very yeah. um, he was like another kid to me, 
and he resembled Mark a lot and what have you. And he always, like, when Mark would do his little practical jokes on me, Ben would tell him, Mark, knock it off, leave her alone. Okay, because Mark loved to torment me, but it, he got a kick out of it. You know, I'm very easily to get my goat, as my father would call it. He used to do it to me, too. Yeah. You know, it's like, why do you got to annoy me, you know? But yeah. Ben would be the first one to say to Mark, it's like, leave your mother alone. Like, he would do things like the dryer. He made Christopher, my grandson, who was five years younger, my late daughter's son, one day throw his stuff in the dryer when he wasn't feeling good. He goes, keep turning it. It's not hard. Chris turned it so hard he broke the knob right off my dryer. And then Mark laughed at him. He goes, now you're in trouble with Grandma. These are some of the things that Mark did. <laughs> Stupid to other people. But he, And then he would sit there in his room, as sick as he was, and wait for me to go, Mark, and he would laugh, and he had this contagious giggle, and I couldn't stay mad at him. Mark was the type of kid, not to go off on a tangent, but he would go, and my computer is always on. And I was writing my book about my daughter while Mark even was sick. I didn't complete it until after his death. He would write things, rather obscure things on my Facebook, like it was coming from me. And he would lay in his room and wait for me to go into the living room. And I'd look at my Facebook, and I'm like, oh, my God. Mark! And he would laugh five hours later. Now, me, that while everybody thinks it was me writing it, you know, I was like, and I'm not even going to go into what he wrote. <laughs> okay, it wasn't like dirty, dirty, okay. but it was like, um, at one point, and I'm not a homophobic, but he says, I came out of the closet. <laughs> he put on my and four of my dearest friends are gay guys I love them I don't judge okay God judges and I write that all the time so he wrote down that I've come out of the closet now and I'm confessing five hours that was posted on my Facebook I come in and I see it and he sat there very quietly in his room which was right next to my living room and he would wait for me to do Mark, and then he would laugh till he cried and cough his head out because of the lung disease. But he loved doing these things to me. <laughs> so, you know, it was crazy some of the stuff he did. But that's so him. And he continues, in which way I try to convey to my friends and audience that he's still, the personality over there doesn't change. They are who they are. They don't go there and, you know, I've quoted before my picture when I was a kid were up there on, on the clouds like the Stave Puff kid or whatever and, 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 and we're playing harps. And it's not that way. It's it's a mirror no. image of here but more intense. And he has a sense of humor and he's still Mark and that's what gets me through it. That's the only way I can survive. And by turning the washer, these are things that he would do. He would put the washing machine on and I'm like, why? Where are the clothes? I don't know. I just felt like putting it on just to annoy me. Just to, to, to get my goat is my father. My father would do the same thing to me. They love to see me react to it, you know? So this is not new to me. This is what he did when he's alive, and he's doing it again to let me know, I'm here, I'm here. So it's not unusual, you know? But these are some things maybe I haven't shared with the people before, and um, and I, I, I just... I find it funny now. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't I can't stay mad at him and he tries to even get my goat from the other side, you know. <laughs> so that's the bottom line. So it it it's it's great. It's great. It, it's a bit embarrassing at times, you know, like I said, I'm not a homophobe or whatever you want to call that, but uh when he puts that on my side I'm not gay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I love my friends who are and you know, I don't judge. And but I'm not <laughs> And so 
to have that on my site for five hours, and everybody's like, well, good for you. I'm glad you finally came out. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> these are, you know what? These are some of the things this kid did to me, and he, every day he would try to do at least something to mortify me, to try to get me going. Because <laughs> he would just get a kick out of my reaction to it, you know? And it would be the same thing. Mark, you know, and then the laugh. I still hear that laugh. And I, I, I could just cry hearing that, you know. But I'm glad that he is still the same. Uh, you know, kind of like they say that, um, what is it, what's the expression, would, and you would know it better being, you know, so versed in the Bible and what have you, that, you know, uh, the omega, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. I am the alpha you know, and the they, omega, the beginning and the end from Revolution. They, revelation. There we go, thanks, Bill. Because Bill's making you do that. <laughs> Don't mess with Bill. <laughs> mess with Bill. There's a song like that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny we should talk about that because I, I'll share a quick, and it has nothing to do with the show, but my husband um, worked for our school system for 38 years. He was a head of the, uh, he was a maintenance mechanic, did all the repairs and building things and head of the custodial team and what have you. And they would put on plays and shows and have like the Ron, not the Ronettes, but the um, Chiffons or whatever, you know, the older 50s groups there, you know. And he was a very quiet, unlike opposite the tract, he was very quiet. I, I, was, I was an extrovert. He was an introvert. And he was kind of shy in his own way. Well, we're sitting in the auditorium, and it's funny you should bring up the song, Don't Mess With Bill. The ones that sang that song were appearing on stage or at the school. Do you know they're asking someone to come into the out of the audience that they were going to sing it to, and all the other guys that he worked with made him get up on stage in front of everybody, and they're singing to him, "Don't mess with Bill." <laughs> <laughs> Don is turning every shade of red, blue, scratching his head in front of because he was he was he, he was not one to get up in front of people. You know, it was like pulling teeth to get my husband to talk. <laughs> So it was hysterical, but it's kind of funny you said said that because that Bill thing is a significance. My friend that passed, it was in yeah. the music, and you keep slipping up with revolution, <laughs> you know, said revolution, <laughs> potato, potato, <laughs> tomato, tomato, you know, and 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 that Mark told people he had this one friend who was very um. Oh, what do I don't know. I forget what religion she's into, but she's very strict, and I love her. And for two years, he she she he told her his name was Billy. I don't know yeah. why he picked that name, but it it seems significant. Okay, I had an uncle Bill, but he wasn't Billy. He was Marcus Robert, and they were at a race down at Englishtown, New Jersey, where Mark went. And someone said, hey, Marcus, good deal. And this, after two years, this friend of his looks at him. She goes, why did he just call you Marcus? He goes, because that's my name. She goes, no, but your name is Billy. He goes, no, it isn't. <laughs> oh. Two years, this poor girl believed his name was. That's why in that picture next to the picture appearing in the door, it says, you know, we're praying for you, Mark, uh, a.k.a. Billy. It was kind of like a joke. You know, well, now he, I he understand. Billy. I read that. I didn't know what it meant. Now, now I know. Well, yeah, and Bill seems to be significant because Bill was my uncle that is was the father of the girl given up for adoption, who's my cousin, who's very involved with my life now, very Christian, who heard the whistle. It just seems like Bill is a, a significant part, and I'm going to share one, one story with her how we met. Uh, years ago, I had 
my dad was one of five kids, and they were very strict Germans. You know, it was their way or the highway. They just grew up that way. You know, I'm not trying to portray any background any different than that, but they're very thick-headed people. And she had discovered who her biological parents were, and she called my aunt, who was like the warden herself, <laughs> and didn't accept her and, and hung up on her. Okay. About a week before I met her, I actually met her on my birthday uh, two, maybe three years ago now. Well, what was before Hurricane Sandy two years ago? Yeah. Um, I had called into a radio station where Intuitive Deborah, who is the, the medium, because I don't read myself, who I went to and brought my kids through and my family. And I actually got through because she's very famous around. And Well, she's very famous all over now. She travels all over. But I, I got through to the show. And the first thing she says to me, oh, hi, Peg. She goes, Bill is here. And I'm thinking, of course, here we go. It's Mark again, you know. And she goes, who's Bill? And I started, I said, well, I have an Uncle Bill. She goes, yeah, I think it's your uncle. And I'm like, why is my Uncle Bill? Because he was kind of the party animal, and not many people associated with him. He was fun, but he wasn't the one that I would want to come through. A week to that day was my birthday. I get a call out of the blue. And now, meanwhile, I'm thinking it's Mark saying, okay, I'm here, Mom. Bill's here, right? Yeah. His daughter calls me, who had, at 50-some years old, I'd never met before, and I welcomed her into the family. He brought me through that show. He was letting me know, my daughter's going to be calling you. She called me on my birthday, uh, 2012, and we became instant friends. We met. We we vacation together now. We've gotten together. They came to visit her and her husband, Russ. And it's just amazing how things work out. You know, it's just absolutely amazing where the Lord brings us to people, you know, and I've been amazed at a, that myself. It's, yes. It, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And I said to her, we talked for hours the first time, and then she came to visit, and we were actually – I gave her a tour. I brought her to her dad's grave. She never got to meet him, and, and she's the one who just sent me, like I said, the picture of the other Bill who was the relative that was on my show. So Bill is – there's yeah. a Bill connection here, Bill connection. Very you know, much And her so. dad's name is Bill. Well, her bi- we, we don't call him dad because he didn't raise her. We call her her biological father, her father. And um, and she's very 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 Christian, um, you know, very to the point with the Bible where she's very strict. And now she's getting the whistling and calls me the other day. Say, ah, he's whistling. She calls me up. I said, Well, do you believe me? She goes, Peg, I believe you. I just didn't feel comfortable because she wasn't quite getting it. Probably like a like a lot of the listeners who don't quite get the gift but now she's starting to understand it and she says Peg I know you're a great person and I love you and I know you love the Lord and and she goes I'm just very confused about you know I was just brought up this way you know by her her adoptive parents you know and um but now it's happening it happened in that room after Ben's death and one short story I'll share too. I was waiting to go receive more pictures from my late brother's wife that lived in that area the day after the funeral. And I also put that I made a short movie about this, some of the signs, after Ben died, my nephew. And I'm sitting in the car. I went outside and she took like forever she had to do that. I said, well, I'm going to go out and get some air. So I'm sitting in my car, warming the car up. And while I'm sitting in the car, I turn. I have Sirius Radio, like I said. uh, And what comes on? The song, Ben. You've got a friend in Ben. I haven't heard that since the 70s. Michael Jackson song? Yes. 
And I, ironically, right before that, I posted that on his site. I said to his friend, I said, listen to the words. You've got a friend in Ben because I love this kid. And I'm waiting for her. What are the chances of that coming on? It wasn't even like the oldies or whatever station. It came on Sirius Radio. I forgot what channel. I've never heard that song on the radio probably since the 70s. I'm sitting wow. in the car waiting for what? What are the chances of me going out at the exact time, the day after his funeral, and sitting there? And the part that comes, and I actually recorded that on my phone, and it says, "You've got a friend in Ben." I'm like, yeah. "Okay, Benny, I know you're here." It was less than 12 hours after his funeral. So, and I said to her, and the funny thing is, I recorded. I said, "Deb, what you got?" I said, "You're not going to believe this. Guess what just came on the radio?" And I recorded, it, and I couldn't get it on my phone until I decided to make that movie. It, it worked. It worked. And you could hear at the end it says, such and such station, serious radio. So it wasn't like something that I did. Like, you know, people like say, well, maybe you photoshopped this, you did that. I'm going to tell you the only picture, the only picture that was ever enhanced, and it was by someone that saw my picture that wanted people to see it better, is the, the picture on that side of my signs. Someone had highlighted, like in gold, so you could actually see my daughter's name spelled. And you can see it even without that, over my head, where it's spelled out Meg over my head, at Mark's first event on his birthday, like I'm doing this Sunday, at, a, at his ex-girlfriend's mother's restaurant, that where Christopher, my grandson, my late daughter's son, and I, I'm sitting there, he's sitting there, it looks like smoke, and you can't even smoke at these restaurants anymore. And my husband's yeah. face appears over the fence, and my daughter's name is scrambled, and it looks like the, the mother, uh, Mother Mary, is reaching out with, with her arms to me, over, over between Christopher's head and mine. There's so much, so much interpretation in that, that picture. That's the only thing that was uh, enhanced like in gold, so you could see Meg spelt out over my head. But other than that, and it wasn't Photoshop. I don't know how this woman did. And I didn't even really know. Her. She goes, "No, I want people to see that. It's amazing." And my, if you knew my husband, as clear as day, his face appeared up to the left to me above the fence, along with a cartoon character that meant something after Hurricane Sandy a year later. That looked like the electrician that gave us a hard time doing work down here. Looked just like yeah. him. It was really. And when I had Deborah, I sent it to Deborah, my medium. And I said, Deb, you got to interpret this picture. What's going on? And I already realized it was my husband. I said, well, what's that cartoon character looking at? She goes, and at the time I was with Tom, my friend, and she says, that has something to do with Tom. And his father was a master electrician. And Tom goes, well, that doesn't look like my father. I said, she said that has something to do with your father. A year later, we had the Hurricane Sandy and the electrician that came here, and Tom and I used to call it the guy. We see someone that looks somewhere, oh, that's got to be the guy because we made a joke about it. We're sitting yeah. there one day when the master electrician was here, and it's like he looked just like that cartoon character. That's the guy. I said, remember when Deborah said oh, had something to do with your father, the master electrician for Western Electric? Cha-ching. It was, it yeah. was a foretelling of what was going to happen a year later. So there's a lot of things that I've interpreted year after the fact, like, well, why did this happen, or why did that happen, or what have you. And you know, like I said before, I think that way a lot myself. And I would just say, what is the reason? Just like I began the show talking about why was the only two girls I ever dated both psychic. You know, I tend uh-huh. to ponder a lot of that. Well, you know, or my mind will go to the numerical things. You know, like I look at. Say your birthday is counting back down by odd numbers only nine seven five three, you know, right? Or some other weird new numerical thing hits me, you know. And this is where I often I often work. But as I said too, is I look 
and say, well, how reasonable is a non-supernatural explanation, like I just talked about with the whistles? You know, a person can't deny, you know, they say it'd have to be crazier to try to stage this than to say, yes, something actually supernaturally happened, and and we've got several people who heard it in different locales, different situations. Exactly. Different people, and and also to a non-believer, in the signs, like I guess you said it was your 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 aunt or somebody that that believed in the Bible um, that said that she was just not adjusted to signs. Um, my, my, cousin, right? my cousin, my cousin, okay. my cousin. Okay, um, mm-hmm. but you know, in other words, when you got people like that that are also hearing these signs, this is one of the things that they said often too is that you know that the resurrection of Jesus was mm-hmm. witnessed by Saul, not only uh-huh. probably the fact that he was in Jerusalem during the 40 days that Jesus was alive, but you know he was an enemy of the church on the way to Damascus, mm-hmm. and he needs right. a risen Lord. You know, And you say, well, it'd be one thing if only, he only appeared to disciples, only appeared to friends, but he appeared to somebody right. who was an enemy to destroy the church. Exactly, and, and, and like and so, my cousin Deborah isn't out to destroy. She's just a firm believer in cut and dry rules of the Bible is the word which it is, and but her interpretation, like most that are, you know, in the church, whether it be Roman Catholic or Episcopal or whatever, uh, can right. even be in the Jewish or whatever. It's this is the way it is. There are no psychics. It's wrong. It's blah 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 blah, and then. This happens while we're sitting in the room listening to the voice after it happened two times prior to me, and she didn't even know about that. And I was questioning, like, why am I hearing this whistle? And then she hears it and almost fell off the bed. She just she, – she was sitting on – I don't know what. She, I think she was actually reading her Bible while the voice was on, and she dropped everything. And she just looks at me mortified, and I looked at her mortified. I'm like, well, Deb, this happened to me twice before yesterday. You know, once going to the store to get Dan his food in the car, and once in my room with it. I thought, and I'm questioning this: is it the TV? And I knew darn well it wasn't the radio because it was a song. I don't remember what was playing on the radio at the time. Maybe Proud Mary or something, you know. And all of a sudden, I hear as clear as day, and then we both hear it clear as day, standing between us. It was like someone standing between us. In the Bible itself, when you get to First Samuel chapter three. You got a little four-year-old boy who's serving Eli the priest, and he hears his name called out of nowhere. And, you know, this, you know, my own son Ryan went through a phase, mm-hmm. I'd say around age nine to eleven, where he was hearing his name called out of nowhere. And I said, you know, there's a story in the Bible in which the prophet Samuel was a little boy heard his name out of nowhere. He thought Eli the priest was calling him. It was not. After uh-huh. Eli got the recognition of, wait a minute, if it's not me, it's God's voice. And exactly. he said to Samuel, you know, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Mm-hmm. And so the well, fact you know, is, the, is that you've got a whistle coming out of nowhere. You know, it mm-hmm. takes, you know, a while, but you can say, wait a minute, you know, it's not you or me whistling. Nobody slipped an iPod in the room. And nobody's here. No. And it happened right. to me two times prior. And the only other time, I wouldn't say Mark has talked to me. I, I've seen Mark appear to me uh, twice. Uh, yeah. Two neighbors have seen him. Three neighbors have seen him appear to them, and they told me. And one more recently didn't want to tell me until recently. Uh, her husband had seen him. She had seen him with her her late grandson. She also, my next door neighbor, lost a son and daughter right before I lost mine and lost a grandson. And she 
confided in me a few weeks ago. She says, I have to tell you that Bobby, her grandson, and Mark appeared at her bed, and they were laughing, and she saw them as plain as day. But I've had several neighbors see them, plus friends. And my daughter-in-law, who was totally – she's a Jewish girl. She, you know, my son and her celebrate both holidays, and not that that matters. But she, second or third show, calls in after talking to them all week, Don's you know, wife, and, and she says to me, I have to share something with you. I blew me away. I'm like, and she's the most non-believer of these things. Like she goes, "Oh, Peg, you're nuts," you know. And she's like, yeah. and she started to cry. And I'm like, "Holy cow!" And then I also want to share. We got two minutes left, but we can. If you're you, you called in, you and you can um, still hear the show. We can continue a little longer. Um, but sure. to make a long story short, I. Um, the only time I actually – well, actually, I want to tell about another neighbor who I – he doesn't really associate with a lot of people here. But one day I'm outside with a friend. He comes outside. Something made him come out of the house. And after everything that got lost at Hurricane Sandy, Mark used to have this thing that hung from his mirror on his car. This guy picks it up. He looks at us, and he goes – I said, that's my son's. He goes, I don't know what made me come out of the house. He picks it up, and it was like a, a keychain. Keychain. And he handed it to me because I don't know what made me do that. So many weird things have happened here. But anyhow, we're down to yeah. 90 seconds, Kevin. I, I guess we'll sum it up, but uh, I want to wish everybody happy Thanksgiving. Again, tell them your book, uh, where they can um, find it. Okay, the, the, the Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts by Kevin Schoepel. Mm-hmm. It's available mm-hmm. on Amazon. Um, I also have a website, Biblefor-Psychics.com. Um, you can read an excerpt of the book on there. And I mm-hmm. do want to wish you happy Thanksgiving and to wish Mark a happy birthday on Sunday. I say that in the alive sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I do and wish you a happy event. We want to get lots of toys for the kids. We want to, want to get lots of toys for the kids. So you don't have yeah. to be here. You can just drop them off to me. It's just a drop-off and unwrap gifts and... Uh, to, to make it somebody else's Christmas brighter that's in the hospital and to help these families. So, Kevin, I want to thank you again. God bless you. want to have you on many, many more times because every time you come on, I feel so much better because you, well, you're you able to relate to our listeners that uh, this is real. Heaven is real. Okay, Kevin, it God is. bless you and Stana and Ryan, and happy too. Thanksgiving. Happy okay, Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you real Okay, you too. Thanks, Kevin. Have a great evening. Good evening. Okay, yeah. good night. Good night. Bye-bye.